It's time to swing into the golf world of today. I don't think I've had this much fun on a golf show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart, sponsored by TaylorMade. Terrific voice, and you have enthusiasm. Now your host, the director of fun. Give me that guy all day. He's the best. Keith Stewart. It's Friday, and good afternoon, and welcome to The Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, the director of fun. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. Well, another week, Wade, and another playoff. Well, I think we'll get to that a little later. For now, we have your pop culture golf news and a really interesting guest. I can't wait to introduce you all to Matt Cardis. You know you can't stop us, so roll the chili peppers. Friday afternoon, the Pro Show is live, and uh, it's been another great week in golf. So much going on. Wade Weezer, happy belated 4th to you. Did you have a good 4th of July weekend? I did. Yourself? Oh, it was fantastic. Awesome, uh, awesome. The Stewarts did a little traveling over to Michigan and uh, did a little lake life, and uh, I can get into lake life. It was good. I see you got all your fingers, so that's good. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit um, sunburned, but... Uh, Nonetheless, no worse for wear and uh, excited for this afternoon's show because we have a gentleman that I met a couple months ago. Um, you know, we were talking about Tom Coyne's book release party and uh, this gentleman was there. His name's Matt Cardis. And Matt is a really interesting guy. And, you know, folks that are listening to this, uh, I'm sure they'll Google him at some point today. But he is known as Golf's Nomad and he lives out of his truck. And he plays golf all over the place, and he does philanthropic things with his time, bringing communities of golf together to, you know, maybe enhance um, the clubhouse at a municipal course that needs it or whatever. And he raises sure. money, and um, he's a really, really interesting guy. His his main occupation is he's a photographer and okay. a content creator. How big is his truck, you think? Um, you know, it's a big size conversion van. Okay, it's not like a pickup. No, it's yeah. I don't think I don't think he's going. He's going pickup truck. That's he's a great point. There, he's living by choice in his truck. Let's let's make that clear. He is. He's he is for sure. And I you know I, I can't wait to get into the story of how this thing whole all began. Because um, when I talked to him at the at that party, he just really intrigued me, and we traded numbers. And I said, man, at some point I got to have you on because I think people would love this story. And his perspective on the modern game of golf, I think, is something that you and I share and that we share with people week in and week out. So I, I think it's definitely one of those things that is really going to bring some positive attention to to him um, and is well-deserved because he's doing a lot of good things in golf. Nice. And, uh, and it's outside the box, and that's what we like. Yes, it, we live outside the box. Now, um, there was a tragic story that we need to touch upon because um, I need to make sure my audience is aware of this and... Um, that if they choose to and they feel engaged with the story at all, that they can um, support um, what we're going to talk about. But last weekend, um, there was a tragic shooting of a PGA professional down in Georgia. And there's a place called Pine Tree Country Club. And their director of golf is a gentleman by the name of Gene Siller. And Gene, on Saturday afternoon, uh, walked out to the 10th hole where a pickup truck was driving on the 10th hole. And in the process of checking out what was going on, um, he was shot and tragically killed. And, you know, I'm a PGA professional, but, you know, I'm a lifer in the golf business. And I just, um, I, I think about how many times I've gone out on the golf course and there have been 
any number of strange things going on. And never once in my life, other than when there was lightning or something, was sure. I ever fearful, fearful for my life. And, uh, you know, all these reports that are coming in on Gene are just, he was a tremendous human being, um, serviced his membership and just loved throughout his the Georgia section. And unfortunately, you know, he leaves behind two children, ages six and seven, and a wife. He was only 46 years old. And, you know, I'm in my mid to late 40s, too. So, I mean, this story really resonates with me. And there's a GoFundMe account. And to date, um, with this tragedy happening less than a week ago, they've raised over $662,000 so far for the family. That's right. And so kids' education, kids' educations and everything that you know, or his mortgage, is needed. Yeah, everything. You know, um, you know golf it's professionals. Just- it's it's a calling the career is and um i just hope that everyone that listens to this if you could throw five dollars their way um very very rarely on this show do we ever ask people to do things of this nature but this story in particular is one that um certainly hits home in many ways in my life and i just you know if everyone if everyone just went online and just read gene's story and learned a little bit about him at some point this weekend or over the next week uh, I'd really appreciate that, and um, we will leave it at that. But uh, wow. thoughts and prayers go out to the Siller family and that community down there at Pine Tree Country Club. Now, quick shift gears over to there was the match number four this week out there on TNT, um, and it was the fourth edition of these TV exhibitions where Phil Mickelson goes and basically MCs uh, a bunch of celebrities in a golf match. And uh, this time they chose Montana and uh, this amazing te- texture of landscape. Um, just unbelievable. And uh, there was this, they're getting better at this as they go. Okay. Now, I, I, we've talked about this before. It was Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau versus Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. So, you know, I've spent almost all my life at a private country club. I have heard all the old man jokes and conversations and trash talk (laughs) that I could basically take, you know? So I I just, I hope that in the next one, you know, we try to um, bring in some different conversations and I'll leave it at that. But they did a very good job this past Tuesday, um, moving the match along, um, you know, Bryson was still Bryson, so he didn't do himself any favors. But Phil um, <laughs> continues to endear himself. And Tom Brady was intense in Tom Brady. There was a great scene where he missed a putt, you know, from like 10 feet that he really needed to make. And the stare he gave the camera that he didn't realize he was kind of like looking. It was like, now I now I understand what it would be like if I was Tom's like tight end and I dropped the ball. Right, right, uh, right. Like, right. Oh, man, was he intense. And then the fourth guy was Aaron Rodgers, which, I mean, the Jolly Roger was the absolute best on. you know not only the current league mvp but the mvp of tuesday night and i just want to bring up because we like to you know have fun and let people know if they didn't get a chance to check it out you don't need to watch the six-hour match we're just going to give you the quick you know youtube speed version sure. right here and uh there was a couple good one-liners throughout this whole thing you know i was a little critical there of the trash talk but at times the guys did did get the job done and uh here's some of my favorites um brady early on he had said that uh, they had him on the phone live with with Gronk, right? Okay, because <laughs> which is funny, I guess, right. yeah, it, which, is. <laughs> it was pretty funny because Gronk was at a little league baseball game or something, and you know it's he Gronk. said like yeah he couldn't be on Zoom probably because he couldn't figure it out, but and <laughs> you know Gronk was like as if nothing he you know, he's like so who are you playing with? 
You know, he didn't even know. No idea. It was great. Uh, But anyway, so Brady, he's saying who he's playing with and what he's doing. And then he says, I'm with Aaron Rodgers. You know, the leader of the Green Bay Packers. Sure. Which nobody knows if he's still the leader of the Green Bay Packers, which was a good dig, you know. (laughs) Um, Almost as good as when Aaron Rodgers walked by Phil's bag, who is a very proud, known Callaway equipment endorser and he must be using a tailor-made mini driver okay. and and Aaron Rodgers was wearing a tailor-made hat and he walked by Phil's bag and said hey hey Phil what's with the tailor-made mini driver in your bag <laughs> like and you could hear it clearest clear as day it was it was great um you know Phil he comes at it and he um he, they were down so uh Rodgers and and DeChambeau end up winning three and two so with with Two holes left. Uh, they were up by three. So Bryson, a big win for him over Phil. And um, when, when they were, I think it was the 15th hole, uh, Phil says, he goes, he goes, hey, you know, we're down right now. It's not like we're going to kick a field goal or anything, <laughs> right? Which is another good, <laughs> another, like an good once. another good Roger, yeah, another good Rogers dig. I mean, they did some fun things. They did this one club um, <laughs> hole, which was tied with double bogeys, which you don't very see, you don't see very often there on, on golf TV. Um, you know, overall, I think, the evolution of this uh, is good for golf, and um, I, I think that what would help it along is if there was more matches out there, and right. they could go between two different matches, and um, there was uh, maybe some women involved or sure. some non-traditional golfers involved. Like Larry Fitzgerald was a great um, play-by-play commentator, and I know they've had Charles Barkley in the past, but I think there's just some different conversations we could have on the golf course rather than like, okay, Aaron Rodgers wasn't busy. So let's get Tony Romo. Well, okay. Well, I mean, let's, yeah. so, you know, um, thumbs up for it, but at the same time, um, I'm still looking forward to the next one and that's for sure. And you know who else I'm always looking forward to? That's our friends at the New Jersey golf foundation and what they're up to concerning growing the game of golf here in my home state of New Jersey. You know, as golf has become a therapeutic part of the rehabilitation process for military veterans living with physical and cognitive challenges, the New Jersey Golf Foundation is all in offering golf programming specifically for veterans through PGA Hope. That's PGA Hope that's helping our patriots everywhere. Our veterans enjoy camaraderie on the golf course alongside fellow veterans while learning the game from PGA professionals. For information on weekly PGA Hope programs at Fiddler's Elbow Country Club, Forsgate Country Club and Galloping Hill Golf Course, visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. All right. I know you're giving me the high sign that we have Matt on the line. So, folks, it is about 3.12 p.m. here in New York. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. We'll be back in a moment with Golf's Nomad. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Chopped up, he says I'm going to win big. Choose not a life of imitation. Distant Mike Greenberg. Green. One of the great players in the history of his sport has said he doesn't like the game anymore. That player is Gary Sheffield. There's no axe to grind here, right? Like he's not, he's not someone like Jose Canseco to take it to the right. ultimate extreme. But in him coming out and saying that, when you got a guy who's like a borderline Hall of Fame caliber player saying, I hate the sport now, that's a pretty harsh thing to say. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. Weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And watch exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. Join the thousands of golfers who already call Stick and Hack their home for the best golf stories, original podcasts, special events, member perks, and an active community of golfers across North America. Up until now, the golf media landscape lived somewhere between straight PGA coverage or idiots wrecking golf carts. We take a different approach by celebrating all sides of golf, life, 
and all the ways this amazing game connects sticks and hacks every day. Your free membership entitles you to discounts from major brands all over the country while connecting you with like-minded golfers for discussion, tips, or even a round of golf. So head to stickandhack.com and enjoy the world's greatest golf club without the course. Time to get back on course as the pro show continues. Great show and great questions. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You're listening to ESPN 920. Today's guest is a man on a mission, a modern golfer driven by his passion for the game to connect golf's community. Traveling the country, he has brought countless people together with his creativity, infectious storytelling, and incredible ability to take a picture. He's Matt Cardis, and I love his style. This afternoon, I can't wait to introduce you all to Golf's Nomad. There you go, Wade Weezer. I like that. Taking me back to my Orlando days there. Pretty slick little choice there for our photographer this afternoon. So you're giving me the thumbs up once again. Matt Cardis is there. Matt Cardis, welcome to the Pro Show. How are you doing this afternoon? Thanks so much for having me on, Keith. I'm doing fantastic. So you are, as I said in the opening there, golf's nomad. Where are you today? Um, clearly in the van outside of my sister's house here in Long Island. I had a 20 hour drive from Nashville over the past two days to get here for my father's 80th birthday today. Oh man. Well, happy birthday to your dad. Um, you know, the whole audience here wishes him the best 80 years young. I, I love that. Um, so that's pretty cool. So as you travel around, you know, you have to fit in family birthdays. It must be tough to come up with that schedule. You know, it is uh, something I put high on the priority list. <laughs> it's kind of fitting. My father was actually the one that got me into golf, and we were supposed to play golf today. I traveled all this way to get here, and then we got rained out this morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Elsa wasn't going to let it be. That's for sure. Um, no, all right. No, so, no. all right, let's touch upon that then. So, at what age did your dad introduce you to the game? You know, I started playing golf around the age of five. Um, you know, he got me started as at a really early age. Um, you know, he's been an avid golfer his entire life. Um, you know, kind of comes from more of that country club atmosphere. Um, you know, looking back at it, I'm really appreciative. He got me into the game and, you know, here we are 42 years later, still playing. So, well, you know what? The, uh, the game has evolved then you and I are around the same age. I'm a little older than you, but the game has significantly evolved in the time that you and I have been alive. And if you've been playing it for the last 37 years or so quick math there, right. Um, yeah. at some point you have, uh, I guess like a Saul on the road to Damascus moment or something. And you, and you start this traveling. So take me back a little bit, you know, cause my listeners aren't necessarily familiar with your story. At what point did you start to hit the road and, and, you know, what was your inspiration for this? You know, I started golfing your state in October, 2016. So it's been what, almost five years now. Um, you know, it was kind of a culmination of a couple different things that led to this, uh, you know, out of college, again, going back to my father, he's a product of corporate America. I, I realized early on, you know, a 50-week-a-year job wasn't for me. And so right out of college, I decided to move to Jacksonville, Wyoming, still my home base, um, so that I could do the things I love to do every day. I'm an avid outdoorsman. I love the mountain bike, snowboard, fly fish. You name it, I do it. I'm um, an outdoorsman at heart. 
Um, yeah, so, I mean, it was kind of a decision early on that, you know, I wanted to do the things I love to do in life. And as I progressed in my professional career, I found myself working in a cubicle for a media company, uh, doing advertising. And it was really the death of a young friend of mine, Alex, who's 25 years old, huge fly fisherman in Jackson Hole, actually drowned in the river while fly fishing with his brother on a day off. And, you know, people say life's too short. It was one of those moments that it hit me. I was like, what am I doing? I'm working in a cubicle what I said I would never do. I'm living here because I want to do the things I love to do every day. Yes, I'm making great money, but I'm not happy. And, you know, I've been shooting photos since I was, you know, a teenager living in Jackson Hole. My background was in landscape and wildlife photography. And I, I, I was fortunate that I saw kind of a correlation between shooting animals in the wild and shooting golfers candidly on a golf course. And I came up with this crazy idea to hit the road and you know, start this lifestyle. I left my high-paying job in advertising, packed up myself in my Subaru Outback. For the first two years of this, I lived in a pop-up tent on top of my car. Um, and, you know, with the goal with that initial trip was just to build my portfolio in golf. And, you know, my social, as my, you know, I continued my travels, my social media presence continued to grow. And I started working a little bit more on the branding side. And yeah, here I am five years later, still going strong. I've done over 140,000 miles in the past four and a half years at this point. So, um, yeah, it's been, been quite the journey. 140,000 miles. You're not in that same Subaru, are you? (laughs) No, I've upgraded into a converted Sprinter van now. Um, unfortunately you haven't had the chance to see it in person, but yeah, I'm in a converted Sprinter. I've basically turned it into a traveling golf art installation. So, the interior is filled with artwork from people that I've met along the road that, you know, have brought me things, submitted things to me, uh, collection of stuff from my travels. Um, I'll also turn the exterior of the van into an art installation uh, with everybody that I meet up on the road. Now I guess it's a chance to sign the van. So, well, uh, yeah, it's a pretty pretty unique lifestyle, to say the least. All right, we'll get into that in a second. But uh, just for my listeners, if you're just tuning in, the voice you hear on the other end is Matt Cardis. And Matt Cardis is a photographer. He's a golfer. And he travels the country looking for the greatest golf content, I think, that most people probably don't get a chance to see or experience, which is what has brought us to the pro show this afternoon, because I love the pop culture side of golf. And let's talk about your lifestyle just for a second. I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this are wondering, what is a day in the life like with Matt Cardis? You know, the day in the life kind of varies from day to day, depending on what I'm doing, right? Uh, Let's say hypothetically, I was on a project at a course, you know, it's early mornings, late nights, um, a lot of running, you know, like I'm getting up, shooting in the morning, coming back to the van, doing some posts, getting my edits done to post for social media. Um, you know, hopefully I'm getting to play a little bit of golf in the afternoon, back in, on the course for the evenings. It, you know, it's, it's a nonstop for me, right? Like this lifestyle, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of, uh, running gun is the way I like to describe it. Cause you know, on a typical day I'm constantly moving. So you go through that pattern, but then, you know, I'm packing up the van, moving on to the next location to do it the following day. Um, you know, this current project I'm on right now, I'm, I'm traveling for months all over the country on this detour project. And essentially what I'm doing is, you know, revisiting a bunch of memorable moments and experiences from the past four years. So I'm in one spot one day, I'm moving on to the next spot for the following day. And, you know, this is day after day for months on end. So 
it's uh you know my lifestyle really comes from my love of the snow culture going back to jackson hole in my former life i was a ski bum i used to work seasonal jobs so that i could snowboard 100 days a year and as i kind of you know brainstormed kind of the business plan for all of this right at the heart of it all you know i am a businessman and um you know it, i really took the model of a professional skier snowboarder right that you know has annual sponsorships so that they can create film segments for for brands um to promote like put together a hype video and you know i looked at golf and i was like nobody's really doing anything like that in golf maybe i can create kind of a brands on the go photography concept and you know i'm fortunate that uh, i've been able to bring on the support of brands like adidas golf and callaway and electric sunglasses and so now i have formal sponsorships as well as you know of course, photography and destination features. And yeah, I, I got my hands on a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, you do. And, and, you know, one of the things you had your hands on was the U.S. Open trophy. And I, I wanted to bring this up because, yeah. you know, the USGA is, you know, one of the pinnacle organizations in all of golf. And you uh, you represent this modern golfer. And we'll get into that more in a second. But, you know, they turned over the U.S. Open trophy to you and had you take it around and take pictures with it. And, and basically, you know, like my kids, they go to elementary school, they come home with Flat Stanley and I've got to take him around and, and write a story about it. Right. But you did it with the U.S. Open trophy. So, folks, you, you get an idea of the impact that Matt is making in the golf space where the USGA hands over the, the U.S. Open trophy to you and you didn't win it like John Rom, you know, so tell me a little bit about that adventure with the trophy. Cause I'm curious about it. I mean, I felt like I won it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So last year I had the U S open tr championship trophy in my possession for 24 days. Um, it was, uh, part of the U S open trophy tour presented by Lexus. So typically what they do with the trophy tour is the previous year's winner takes it on kind of like a two week media tour, uh, prior to the U S open to build hype around the event. And fortunately, or I guess fortunately for me, because of COVID, Gary Woodland wasn't able to do what they would consider the traditional uh, U.S. Open trophy tour. So the USGA started looking for other ideas. That they approached me with it, asked me what I could do with it. I came up with this really unique concept. Um, you know, it was interesting because on the road, I wasn't able to say what we were actually doing, right? Like the actual end goal of all of this was to create video content for the USGA because they were doing a sweepstakes in partnership with Lexus, essentially giving away a round at each of the eight locations that we featured. But during the tour itself, we weren't able to actually say that. So what I was telling people was uh, I'm, I've been hired by the USGA to be the official torchbearer of the U.S. Open trophy, picking it up at Wingfoot, delivering it to next year's location, Torrey Pines, and featuring eight locations that have either hosted the U.S. Open, USAM, or U.S. Women's Open. Um, you know, I'm very proud of, you know, the content that we produced for the USGA. Um, if you want to check out those videos, they live on the USGA YouTube channel. You can just search U.S. Open Trophy Tour and, and the eight videos will pop up. Um, but yeah, it was really cool because, you know, most times when people get to see the trophy, it's, in, it's on a pedestal in an acrylic case. You can't touch it. And my concept to them was I want to get this in the hands of passionate golfers, people that I know are very passionate about this game and let them really experience what it's like to have this, you know, prestigious piece of golf history in their hands. Um, so, you know, there was a, a little, a little bit of course history on the eight locations, a little bit of course sizzle to get people excited about the sweepstakes and winning, winning around there. 
And then what I did was I brought it into the community and got it in the hands of passionate golfers, whether they were friends or random strangers on the street. I was putting the trophy actually in people's hands, talking about the history of it. And it, it was a really special project. I, I definitely put my heart and soul into it. You know, I love the fact that you use the word that you were proud of it, that what you created, oh, yeah. you know, what manifested itself was something that you really, at the end of the day, when you packaged it and, and handed it over, you were like, wow, I'm really proud of that. And, you know, you come across and folks, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Matt Cardis. And Matt, he runs a website called Golf in Your State. You got to check him out. But he does a lot of other things. And, and now I have another question, because you come across as a very purposeful person. And, you know, from the moment with which you decided to start this journey and that the one that you're currently on, um, there are other things that you do. Like, tell me more about the golf wall project, because not all of what you're doing is just taking pictures and connecting golfers. But, you know, it seems to me that you're like a man on a mission. That's very well said. I mean, uh, I realized early on that if I was going to be able to build an audience and a platform on social media, I wanted to use that platform for good. And I use the word impact a lot, right? Like I want to make an impact. And, you know, the golf wall project going back to 2019 pre pandemic, you know what I did for six months, I traveled all over the country, bringing groups of golfers together to give back to their communities. We did a variety of community service initiatives all over the country beach cleanups, feeding homeless people, um, community cleanups. I set up an urban golf course in Portland. I helped a few municipal golf courses. We did a variety of different things. And, you know, the goal was there, there were several roles to it. One, you know, I wanted to get golfers involved in their community, performing some type of community service, really with the goal of, you know, perception, right? Like what are these golfers doing in our community, picking up the beach or feeding homeless people, things that people wouldn't typically expect golfers to be doing. Right. Um, you know, it wasn't so much about golf in your state. It was more about golf. I, I wanted to, you know, change the perception of what golfers are and, you know, at least, at least try and put my touch on it. Right. Um, you know, another, another big aspect of it was trying to inspire people. You know, I wanted them to participate or see these community service initiatives and then either take it back to their home and workplace and maybe inspire people to, you know, I, I'd say I, I, I want to leave a footprint in the sand for others to follow. So, you know, that was the goal is that they participate in this project. They take it back to their home or workplace and do something else in their community. Um, so, I, again, it was something I was really proud of. Absolutely. You know, when I think about, all my years in the golf business, you know, working at a private country club, and I always think about all the different headwinds that we faced, you know, the stereotypes and, and all of those things. And when I read what you were doing with this project, I said, oh, I can't wait to talk to this guy because he totally gets it. And, you know, these are the types of things that when I was at the club, we were trying to do community days or bring in the first tee or, you know, this is why one of the sponsors of this show and always will be is the New Jersey Golf Foundation, because, you know, they work with veterans and they work with golf in schools. Um, golf has such a powerful um, ability to connect people and can be used for such good. And it is. And I think it's so important that people like you are out there and that you have, you know, tens of thousands of Instagram followers and, and people are, are coming out to clean up a beach because and then they could tell bunker jokes while they're doing it. You know, it doesn't always have to be about just golf. I mean, I can't I, 
I say this, you know, Wade, my producer, I, he knows this. I say this to him, blue in the face all the time. Golf was a social game before it was a competitive game. It was a bunch of bored shepherds standing around with nothing better to do, right? And so they started knocking a ball or a rock around with a stick, you know? And and I love the essence of what you're trying to do with this golf wall project. So I, I certainly, if you're ever around the New York City area, if there's anything we can do to help promote one of your get-togethers or something like that, you got to send me a note because I love this. And, you know... How did you sense there was this undercurrent of people that wanted to get together? I mean, when you when you put one of these out, are, are they well attended? Are, are they continuing to grow in momentum? Tell me a little bit more about this project, because I love it. You, you know, I started this, for, the first wave of it, basically I did kind of a six-month soft launch in 2019, and the goal was to relaunch it for all of 2020. And obviously COVID could put kind of a, an end to all of that, but um, you know, I did do a community service initiative here in New York City. We helped a municipal golf course in Queens called Douglaston. We painted one of the retaining walls at the golf course there. Um, you know, it was really cool for me because it was all about environmental and social awareness, right? So it wasn't just that we were cleaning a beach in Southern California and picking up large items. What I did was, you know, we, we, the beach cleanup that I did was in San Clemente, California, a very environmentally conscious community. And what I did was, you know, had the participants legitimately sifting through sand looking for microplastics so that we could talk about the long-term um, uh, impact of single-use plastic. Um, so it, it was really cool to keep them kind of small and intimate for that first six months soft launch so that I could actually spend time with each of the participants as they were performing the initiative and talk about why we're actually doing it. Right. Um, Cause that way I can actually dig deeper into the problem and hopefully, you know, maybe uh, open that person's eyes to a, a potential, um, you know, shift in, in their mindset on how they purchase single use plastic. Um, and each of the initiatives kind of had an underlying theme like that. So can I answer the question there? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's rambling. No, no. I mean, you definitely did, because what you've touched upon is that golfers, I've always felt like have a very macro view of things, because if we just looked at golf as one shot at a time. And, you know, you dump one in the water or you chunk it or you blade it out of a bunker or something like that, we would all just quit the game. Right. We have to look at it as 18 holes and what I had to appreciate throughout the entire round or if I played six holes or whatever it may be. So it's interesting how you found like a common thread and then you, you know, you touched upon it and then you're bringing people out because I'm sure in those conversations, when you start to talk about the environment, there, there's also golf conversations, you know, as you're sifting through the sand, oh, yeah. you know, you're definitely talking about different things in golf. And, you know, I, I think that that is really good for the game. And I, and I think that that will help grow um, well, forget grow because we have 50 million more rounds in 2020. I talk a lot about how are we going to sustain? Well, if you have 10, yep. 10 million extra golfers, you have 10 million other different types of people there and you need to engage them in different ways. And I think it's really cool how you're engaging them. Now, I want to take this a step further because um, I'll, you're doing these these philanthropic projects on the side, but you're also you also play golf. And I just, yes, I kind of wonder, Matt, if, if you and I go tee it up, what's a golf experience like with Matt Cardis? You know, I like to have fun on the golf course. I, I play with such a wide variety of people that I usually leave it up to them. Like, what's the experience going to be like? What course we're playing? It's usually up to the people that I'm meeting up with on the road. You know, do we walk or ride? Do we listen to music or not? 
you know, I, I I usually try and feel them out and kind of see like what their typical golf experience is like. And, you know, and then I try to implement some of how I handle myself on the golf course. Right. Like I enjoy playing in large groups. I enjoy playing with music. And, you know, a lot of times I'm exposing people to another side of golf where we're just having fun. I think there are a lot of competitive golfers out there that still stay so focused on score that they're not really enjoying the experience like they could be, right? Um, Because I do see golf as an experience. It's four hours of your time with somebody that you know or somebody you just met. And how do you spend that time? I mean, it goes way back. I learned early on in my life that the most important person in your life is the person in front of you at any given point in time. And, you know, I really take that seriously when I am on a golf course with somebody because I want to get to know about them. A lot of times they want to know about me. So, you know, it's it's typically a pretty heavy conversation um, when we're playing golf because people are so intrigued by what I do. And, you know, a lot of times we've been talking on social media or however for an extended period of time prior to meeting that they know a lot more about me than I know about them. And they're inquisitive about some of the things we've talked about, like the golf ball project and the U S open other things that I've done. And, you know, I, I try to make it fun. I try to be, you know, somebody, somebody said to me recently, they're like, man, you are an experience. <laughs> I was like, what's that supposed to do? I kind of got insulted when he said it. And I was like, yeah, he kind of had to explain what, what he he meant by that right um and it was all positive he's like man i had so much fun today but it's not what i would typically think of for you know a typical round of golf and it was just a little bit of you know me running multiple cameras and i I think that's a, a big part of it right is a lot of people aren't used to having you know a content creator with them that's you know managing three cameras at one time plus golfing plus entertaining plus you know it's a, it can be an experience for sure. Well, you know what? We're having a great experience this afternoon. And folks, we're with Matt Cardis. But just like that trophy tour, there needs to be a sponsor today's show. So I got to jump for a second to a quick break. Matt, why don't you hold tight? I want to dig more into this uh, Matt Cardis experience um, in the back nine of our conversation. But for right now, folks, up next more with Golf's Nomad. As for now, thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Keyshawn Johnson. Any quarterback that played underneath him is going to look crazy, and especially if they got any skill set. Jay Williams. I'm just tired of talking about what Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons don't do. I want to start talking about what Brett Brown needs to make them do. It's time to go to work, Brett. And Subin Mahente. I can promise you, I am as passionate about sports as you are. It is time to go to work. Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin. Weekday morning, starting at 6 on the new 920 ESPN. Today's interview is brought to you by our friends at Beedratty. Beedratty is known for their irrationally comfortable Peruvian Pima cotton polos. But did you know they've branched into new categories? You must try like boxers, layers, button downs, and even performance fabrics with their Dratty Sport. The theme with all of their products is meticulous attention to detail. Details most companies choose to overlook. Be Dratty thoughtfully considers like our favorite Russell quarter zip where the front pouch is sewn into the garment and not topped on, allowing for a slimmer, less bulky fit. Shop the entire Be Dratty line at BeDratty.com and receive 25% off with our exclusive 
exclusive discount code KJS25. You got a great voice it's for radio. Time though. to get back on course. Face for radio. I, I get a lot of that too. As the pro show continues, once again, Keith Stewart. It's the pro show, and I'm Keith Stewart. Welcome back to our conversation with Matt Cardis. You know you're listening to New Jersey's ESPN 920. It's Friday afternoon. Why don't you finish your week off in style? Like Matt would, I think. Great choice on that song there. As that definitely yeah, who doesn't like that song? Oh, man. Uh, Matt, I, you know, we... We believe here on the show that music is like mathematics. It's a universal language. It connects us all. And since you're a people connector, um, you know, my producer, Wade, he's, he thinks about these things a lot. And uh, we put these things together just to try to inspire our guests just a little bit. You know, it's think of it as the Keith Stewart experience for a moment. You know, it got it got me dancing during half. Yeah, I was moving a little bit right there. I love it. I love it. All right. So you, you touched on something that really struck a chord with me a second ago. You know, the most important person is, is the one that's in front of you. And you spoke about your dad earlier. Um, is there a mentor or somebody that kind of, you know, instilled that belief in you? Is that come through meeting so many people over time? Like, you know, when you start to look in the mirror, you know, how does, how did Matt Cardis become the man that he is today? You know, I think it's it's a culmination of a lot of people in my life, right? Like, I think it starts with my parents, obviously, you know, from a social aspect. They've been involved in charity work my entire life. Um, from an environmental standpoint, I think living in Jackson Hole, which is such, you know, an environmentally sustainable community, um, you know, living there for an extended period of time, it definitely made me aware of environmental issues and, you know, caring about our planet. Um, so I, you know, as I look at kind of, it, I had a roommate in Jackson Hole, his name's Evan Roy. He was, you know, one, he's originally from Vermont, very, very environmentally conscious guy. Um, you know, living with him, recycling was a big deal and composting and, you know, he was all about it. And, you know, I can really kind of trace back, you know, my environmental education to him. Um, but you know, if, I'm originally from New York. I grew up in Los Angeles. I grew up around a lot of different cultures and, you know, it's always been a part of my life. And I've always wanted to give back in one way, shape or form. I always, you know, thought of myself as a kind human. And I think it's been a lot of people, my parents and people along the way, friends and, you know, I feel like everybody leaves their mark on everybody at some point in time. Right. Definitely. There's a super important message there. And, you know, I've always believed this in golf you know, you take it on one person at a time in order to try to, you know, bring the game to more people. And, and the way that Evan affected your mindset now, look, you know, pay it forward and, and look at what you've done and you're doing it with communities of people. So it was just one on one between the two of you as roommates. And then look where you've taken it. So if anyone's listening to this and if you are, we're with Matt Cardis this afternoon and he's given us an important message about whatever it is that you're trying to help people with or try to engage them with, you know, start with one person at a time. That most important person is the one in front of you and then see where it can go because you don't know who's on the other side of that conversation, right? 
you know, going back to the golf ball project, my main goal was if I can affect one person, if one person can leave this event or see this event on social and take it back to their home or workplace and inspire five people, that's a win, right? It, 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 when it comes down to it, if it, it, the more people we can get involved in their communities, the better off we're going to be. And, you know, I took that to heart that, you know, I'm going to try and inspire one person from this. And if I can inspire 10 or 20 or 30, even better. Um, you know, I think fortunately it was uh, pretty impactful overall. So, yeah, I want to steal your word impact there, because with social media and what you've been able to do, you know, five people a week, right, turns into, you know, 25 people a month. And then from there. I'm not quite sure how all the algorithms work, but next thing you know, there's thousands upon thousands of people that are engaged and they're following along with what you're doing. So I I certainly admire um, definitely all the hard work and um, really thought that you're putting into all of this. So I know my audience is getting engaged by this and I want them to be able to follow you and, and I want them to get out to a golf wall project near them when it happens. So can you give me your website and your social media handles? Yeah, I mean, pretty much everything's at Golf in Your State. Um, Instagram, social, YouTube, um, websites, golfinyourstate.com. I use I use Instagram as my primary platform. Uh, Instagram and YouTube are my primary two. Um, yeah, appreciate and, all the support there. And definitely check out those USGA videos um, on their website definitely. because those things, um, I know you're proud of it, but man, I'm inspired by it, which is great. And, and hopefully we can inspire you with just one more little thing before I let you go. Uh, and that is, is that our listeners love to get to know everybody and you've been super transparent today, but we're going to have some fun now. You up for a little rapid fire Q and a always. Sure. All yeah. Right. <laughs> Here we go. All right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Go through, Abby. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna start you with a tough one here. Then, favorite thing to do besides play golf? Ooh, travel. Biggest pet peeve about other drivers? Not using turn signals. Oh man, I'm gonna change that. The people that don't know how to drive on two lane roads. Agreed. Those are two. Uh, those those two are in my top five for sure. That that, li- that list could probably be long, actually. Yeah, I bet. I bet twenty. <laughs> just over the last two days and twenty hours from Nashville, right? All right. Rate your. I'm always, I'm always really nervous when I see a flatbed truck or a, a truck of any sort with stuff in the back that I know isn't tied down correctly. That always makes me really nervous. I I have to agree with you there for sure. All right. Rate your van coffee on a scale of one to ten. Nine and a half. Coffee is very important in my life. (laughs) I have a severe caffeine addiction. I like to drink good coffee, and it's got to be made well. Most interesting place you ever took pictures? That's a really hard one. Um, First one. Biggest surprise in all of my travels would be the Panhandle of Florida. All right, interesting. I want to. I'm going to check yeah. those photos out. Then uh, it's, it's it's like the Bahamas. It's like the Bahamas. There, I I figured it would be like Louisiana swampland. It is literally like turquoise blue, beautiful beaches. I was shocked by it. I mean, I've taken a lot. I, I obviously love taking photos, so it's a really hard question to answer because I I could pick a photo from every single place that I've been. But you're talking about unique locations, like it, definitely Panhandle. It's 
something very different. You know, there's not many times in my life I've heard the word Bahamas and Panhandle, Florida used in the same sentence. So you, you definitely answered the question. All right. Have you ever thought about taking the van to Europe? Yes. And that- Australia and Canada and <laughs> well, Canada is a continent that's connected or a country that's connected on our continent. Uh, you know, the other ones are a little more difficult. Uh, it really threw some, it's a, a wrench in the, in the system here because originally for 2021, I was supposed to be doing a coast to coast Canada trip. And yeah, obviously it's not happening right now at this moment, but it's still in the fold. Hey, there's always next year. You know, did you have to sign something when they gave you the U.S. Open trophy? Yeah. <laughs> Did you have to sign your life away? A couple, a couple something. Um, no, not my life. All right. But yeah, there was there was paperwork involved in me having having it in my possession. Name a place you haven't gone, but you would love to go. Scotland. Strange. Actually, I've been to I've been to Scotland in my teen years to play soccer but I have not been there in my adult life to play golf and I'm dying to go. Strangest place you have ever showered. Um, out of the back of the van all the time. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll let, I'll let you, uh, you know, if you watch my, my quarantine video from Sweetens Cove in Tennessee, I actually shower out the back of the van in the parking lot at Sweetens Cove. It was closed. There was nobody there. Um, but if you watch the video, there was a surprise. There was a couple of homeowners that while I was showering, walked behind me, and I didn't realize it at the time. Um, yeah. I've, uh, yeah. Hey, it's rapid fire. I become one, I become one with nature. At, at that I can believe. I mean, there was a reason for the question. All right, I have one more for you. When I say the words modern golfer, what's the first image that comes to mind? Um, myself. You know what? My patch coat. I mean, yeah, there's, we didn't really talk about modern golf. You want me to dig into that real quick or we got time? Yeah, sure. Go for it. I love it. You know, the term modern golfer to me is all about bringing current day trends into the game of golf. So again, talking about music and fashion and lifestyle right you're seeing the trend by golf brands you know incorporating more streetwear into what they're doing and you know it's an important aspect i think in growing the game overall is to make it relatable to a much larger audience and i think by bringing into the fold um elements of modern day culture into the game um it's it's exposing people to the game in a different light uh, which may get them excited about about it, getting them wanting to play it. And, you know, I really think, uh, you know, I've said it, and, I, you know, Tom Coyne quoted me in his book saying it, it's no longer my father's game. And, you know, when I said those words, it, it to me, it's it's not an insult to my father. It's, it's you know, um, it, it's an ode to, to the people that are dedicating their lives and putting effort towards showing a different side of the game. And, you know, this whole thing for me has been about documenting the modern day culture of golf in America. And I can tell you that there's modern day golfers all over this country. Um, and it's something I'm proud to be a part of. And, you know, I'm going to keep communicating that.
hey, communication is my thing. And I can tell you in an audio sense that they're from my audience's perspective is there are tons of modern golfers because thousands of people download this show every week when I put up the podcast and they love the message. They love the guests. They love when maybe I bring on the CEO of TaylorMade, but we talk about leadership and where golf is going and all sorts of different things. So I, I think that uh, I can't thank from the bottom of my heart. I can't thank someone like you enough for taking on the challenge because golf has never been a collaborative industry. But the collaboration that you and I did today is just a small example of what it is your sentiment is in describing the modern golfer. So you know what, Matt Cardis, I appreciate you immensely. I thank you for your candor today. And uh, you and I have got to collaborate again, man. You are too much fun, and I love to have fun. We're going to have to get out and play here soon. All right, well, the next time. your way, let's make it happen, Keith. Absolutely. The next time you're in New Jersey, we're playing golf. That's for sure. I absolutely love it. Mike Cardis, happy birthday to your dad. And you have a great day. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Keith. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. What an awesome interview there with Matt Cardis. Everybody, it's fast approaching 4 p.m. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. We're coming back to wrap up today's show with the weekly update. One of the great players in the history of his sport has said he doesn't like the game anymore. That player is Gary Sheffield. There's no axe to grind here, right? Like he's not, he's not someone like Jose Canseco to take it to the right. ultimate extreme. But in him coming out and saying that, when you got a guy who's like a borderline Hall of Fame caliber player saying, I hate the sport now, that's a pretty harsh thing to say. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. Weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And watch exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills, Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. Get ready for the back nine. As the pro show continues, once again, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the pro show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You know me as the director of fun. You're listening to ESPN 920. You know, today's guest has me feeling a little fired up. Let's go, Bruce. You know you can listen anywhere all you have to do is stream 920 espn new jersey.com tonight the podcast on itunes spotify and amazon oh baby
Wade, we were born to run. That was pretty impressive. You know, that interview had me had me totally inspired, um, and I'm fired up right now. I so, can tell. It's time for something else then. Ever hit that one perfect iron shot and think, well, that's the one shot that will keep me coming back. Well, you know what? You know, it doesn't have to be just one shot. You know, I played golf yesterday with my tailor-made clubs, and I hit like dozens of shots that were so good, and they just resonated with my soul. So I'm telling you folks, it's not just about forgiveness. It's not just about Rory McIlroy, DJ, and everything. It's about being a modern golfer and playing a modern golf club, right? We know TaylorMade's thing is innovation. Go check them out. You know, you can learn more about the Sim 2 driver and all of their clubs. And to find a fitting near you, just head to TaylorMadeGolf.com. He's no Scotty Cameron. Cam Davis won his first PGA Tour event this weekend. And he defeated Joaquin Neiman and Troy Merritt in a playoff playoffs at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Davis holed a bunker shot for Eagle on the 71st hole, and he made a birdie putt on the 72nd hole to get into that playoff. And what turned out to be another experience of a five-hole playoff, he missed four putts that would have ultimately won him the event. But thankfully, Troy Merritt was the one against him on that fifth hole, and he made bogey, and Davis was handed the trophy. You know, a five-hole playoff, Following last week's eight-hole playoff, uh, once again, the Twitter universe of 60 Minutes fans are all <laughs> over golf. They're outraged, except, of course, on the West Coast. Right, of course. Can't have Corda without a KO. That's right. One week after giving up the top spot in the Rolex rankings to Nelly Corda, Jin Young Ko, who was the former number one, earned her first win of the 2021 season for the LPGA at the Volunteers of America Classic. Co shot a final round 69 to edge Matilda Castron and Gabby Lopez. It hasn't been Co's best season, but she now has six top tens and a victory in this calendar year. So there's lots on the line for these ladies in the remainder of the year. There's a couple majors. There's the million-dollar uh, season-ending tournament of champions. So it, it's going to be interesting now that there's a little bit of a rivalry for that number one spot between Co and Corda. Looks like someone new is on Team Brooks. After traveling to Detroit and going through two days of preparation for the Rocket Mortgage Classic, Bryson DeChambeau split with his caddy, mm. Tim Tucker, yes. And what seemed like a very suspicious timing. So they went and did practice rounds on Monday, or Tuesday, Wednesday. Then Wednesday night, it just turns out that the caddy's not he's not gonna he's not gonna work for Bryson anymore. And uh while listening, I was listening to Colt Nost's popular podcast called Subpar. Uh he said he ran into Tucker at the at dinner on Wednesday night, and he said, hey, you know, like, uh, I heard the story or whatever, and he said, get me on your podcast. Oh, interesting. Yes. So this is uh, this is going to go somewhere, I'm sure. Plot thickens. Bryson's caddy is no ordinary caddy role, that's for sure. It's an extreme job. The long days, the physics, the separate language, etc. Let's hope the selection process is as entertaining as it could be. I'm thinking... The Player Bachelor on ABC <laughs> or something like that. I like that. All right. That gets one of these. <laughs> a Medal of Honor, as a matter of speaking. South Korean Sung Im and Siwoo Kim, both unbelievable PGA Tour stars, will both skip the Open Championship because they have something more important. Something more important than the fourth major of the year? Yes, the Tokyo Olympics. Since an Olympic medal exempts South Korean athletes from mandatory military service, wow. this year's Olympics could be considered the biggest of IMS 
and Kim's careers. Talk about pressure. I'll definitely be keeping, we'll be keeping an eye on this one. Their That's scores. It. We might need to like live blog their scoring so they don't go into the military. Get out of military card. Yes. I love it. You know, what do you need to get out of the military? Oh, silver medal. That's it. That's all you got to do. Yes. You got to have the medal to get out. You do. Yes, for sure. Uh, I guess he's no angel. Buenos Aires. Live report here. Argentinian golfer Angel Cabrera sentenced Wednesday to two years in prison on charges he assaulted his former partner. A court in the province of Cordoba, 500 miles northwest of Buenos Aires, convicted the 51-year-old of assaulting, threatening, and harassing Cecilia Torres Mana, uh, his partner between 2016 and 2018. Cabrera, who denied in the trial any wrongdoing, will serve his sentence immediately. It's a really complex situation. You know, the, the, the golfer traveled to the United States in July 2020 without seeking permission, which led to the province of Cordoba to request his arrest. Cabrera was in, arrested by Interpol agents in Rio de Janeiro last January. Last month, he was extradited from Brazil to Argentina so he could face trial. Wait, this is a two-time major champion. He won a U.S. Open and the Masters. Uh, now in two years... Uh, I guess when he gets out, he'll be like the lead candidate to play the enemy in Fast and the Furious 10 or something. You know, I'm not joking about the charges, by the way. Not at all. Not at all. It's just it's an amazing story. Golf never really gets those kinds of stories. And we have one more for you, folks. We will miss him when he's gone. That's right. Enjoy Phil while we have him front and center, because here's more Phil, of course, being Phil. Uh, Phil Mickelson, he's had some incredible memories to look back on when he decides to hang up the clubs. But it hasn't always been plain sailing for one of our fan favorites. That's right. Uh, John Feinstein, who writes for Golf Digest, talked about the necessity of Phil to be a captain's pick this year for the Ryder Cup. And in response to the article, Phil said, hey, thank you to John Feinstein through Twitter. And he said, you know, three of my biggest regrets of my career was my criticism of Hal Sutton in the 2004 Ryder Cup, my criticism of Tom Watson at the 2014 Ryder Cup, and uh, his antics knocking the ball, the moving ball back at the 2018 U.S. Open at Shinnecock, right? Um, it's kind of an interesting take there by Mickelson, and, you know, the world was kind of reacting to that. And at, at that point, you know, social media gets into it, and uh, at Ryan01L replied to uh, Phil Mickelson and Golf Digest while... Um, Phil was in that moment of contemplation, and he said, where would stiffing a young uh, Brooks Kepka for an autograph rank on your career regrets? And oh, Phil actually replied. He said he's totally warranted. He was in a place where he wasn't allowed to be, and I wasn't going to reward that behavior. Interesting. So there's a lesson to you all, kids. There is. <laughs> right? Get those autographs where you're supposed to. And, folks, that's your Pro Show Update for the week ending July 9th, 2021. Thanks, of course, to our sponsors, week in and week out, TaylorMade Golf, the New Jersey Golf Foundation, Summit Golf Brands. Now, Wade Weezer, our guest next week. You ready? You sitting down? I am sitting down. Hale Irwin, three-time U.S. Open champion Hale Irwin. We're going to have him on last year. We missed out. I remember that. We have Hale Irwin. All right, he's coming next week. I have been assured by many people. So, uh, producer Wade Weezer, we'll need you on your best next week for him. And everybody, why don't you tune in? Because you know I love my listeners. Now, before I go, I'm going to leave you all with one brief thought about persistence. The most common characteristic in successful people is not some natural talent, but rather an innate ability to press on each and every day. 
I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and this is The Pro Show. Thanks for joining us for today's show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart returns to the T next Friday at 3 on ESPN 920.